Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Saranto suche doye olahudi san meao san putoshe. Usham shan shan we miafa by chin wan che nan zao yu. Wa jin chen wan de shou chi. The unsurpassed, deep, profound, subtle, wonderful Dharma in a hundred thousand million eons is difficult to encounter. Now I've come to receive and hold it within my sight and hearing. I vow to fathom the thus come one's true and actual meaning. Venerable Master, Dharma friends, welcome to our Sutra lecture tonight. This is the eighth, uh, the seventh of January, and we are here in Berkeley, California, and we're opening the Avatamsaka Sutra, the Ten Grounds chapter, and uh, like to invite you all to uh, join us in this study of the the Bodhisattva path. So we're going to turn first of all to the um, the name of the sutra. And the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, which is on page, uh, the front cover of our sutra text in front of you, right here. So if you would please join me and we'll put our palms together and request the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas to draw near. Oh, 
on page 50 and 51. We're on the second paragraph. That place. Okay, palms together. For so Fantianjishang Okay, here we go. Over to the right, English. If someone were to say to him, I have a phrase of Dharma spoken by the Buddha that can make perfect your bodhisattva practices. I will give that phrase to you, but only if you can dive into a big pit of fire and feel truly horrific pain. At that, the Bodhisattva thinks this way. Since with a single phrase of Dharma, spoken by the Buddha, I can make perfect my bodhisattva practice if the large threefold thousand world system were filled with a massive fire I would even be willing to throw my body down 
from the peak of the Brahma heaven and thus take on all that pain. So how much the more am I willing to jump into a small fire pit to seek the Buddha Dharma I should be willing to undergo all the sufferings of the hells. How much more the small vexations in the realm of humans. Okay. Hmm. This, these, in the English, it's three, par- three paragraphs, these three phrases. Three passages are self-explanatory. Um, it makes sense if we know where they're coming from. The Bodhisattva has been uh, examining how he can actually help beings wake up. That's what he wants to do. He's seen that they're in, they're asleep, that we're asleep, and he wants to wake us up. So his conclusion was, I have to learn more dharma because the dharma is the way they wake up. So I need to learn more. How do I do that? How do I learn more dharma? The answer was, study. And he decided that according to, to that new realization that in order to rescue beings, he needed to study more dharma. Because he saw that, he thought, now I really want to meet people who can speak dharma. If I could meet somebody who speaks Dharma, I will un- I'll do anything. If they can teach me how to master these techniques to help living beings, I will do it. I don't care what it takes. That's his, his big awareness. That's, that's kind of the, the challenge this Bodhisattva has set himself. And there's a pattern in this text, which is it's always once you decide you're going to go forward. Once you decide you're going to make a change, then you get a test. You get a test. You get a chance to see how sincere you are. And uh, let's, let's take a look at how the sutra depicts this, how it gives us this test. And then talk about how this might mm, appear in our own lives. So, Suppose somebody said, suppose one day, Bodhisattva, having said, I'm going to study, I'm, I, I don't care what wealth I want to, I have to give away, anything is fine, as long as I can learn even a sentence of proper Buddha Dharma that works, I will give anything up. He says that, and somebody shows up. Oh, this mysterious person comes up to the Bodhisattva and says, hey, I have one sentence of Buddha that the of dharma that the Buddha actually spoke. I've got the real thing. Here's some teachings directly from Ananda who heard the Buddha say it. And when you hear this line, this line of dharma, nang jing pusa heng, H-E-N-G, that's not H, we always spell it H-E-N, it's H-E-N-G. Nang jing pusa heng, that can make your bodhisattva practices pure. Make them yours. You will master them. You'll know exactly what to do. It's kind of like driving a car. You don't really have to think about it anymore. You've got it. You have that. It's grooved into your system. 
That's what it means to purify your bodhisattva practices. Okay, so the person says, I got it. I have what you're looking for. I have a sentence of Buddha Dharma that will allow you to really save your mom, save your dad, wake them up. You, if it's if you will now, the phrase is ru jump into a pit of fire. If you'll jump into a pit of fire, and in that pit of fire, show really burn. You will hurt a lot. Qi extremely. You're going to hurt a lot in that fire pit. Dang yi shang yu. I'll give it to you. I'll give you the dharma. So. Test for the bodhisattva. If it was you, what do you think? First of all, is this literal? Is it, is it uh, figurative? Is this analogy? Is it metaphor? Does he mean it? Does he mean go find a pit of fire and jump in it and you get this, the dharma? I don't know. I don't know. How do, you, how do you hear this? On one hand, you could say, well, come on. We know that uh, while in the Buddhist world there are people who light their bodies on fire. It's not standard practice. That's extreme practice. And that's not really what the sutra wants the bodhisattva to do, or us, by extension. Is it? We ask. Is this really what we're supposed to do? So the bodhisattva at that point says, oh, now the sutra takes us into the heart of the bodhisattva as he hears this challenge. He says, since... With a single phrase of Dharma spoken by the Buddha, I can make perfect my bodhisattva practices, comma. Now we get his, his answer. And this answer is uh, extreme to the extreme. He wants to make the point so clearly. This is rhetorical. He really makes his point. What does he say? He could say, yes, I accept. He doesn't say, yes, I accept. He says... You want me to jump into a pit of fire to get that sentence and suffer a lot? Okay. If there's a sentence of the Buddha that sentence of the Buddha spoke that will make my bodhisattva practices my own, if the large threefold, large thousand world system were full of fire, just a huge bonfire filling up the whole universe, I would climb to the Brahma heaven. I'd go as high as I possibly could just to make sure I jumped right in the middle and I would throw my body right into the middle of that fire and take all that suffering. So that's what I want to do. He doesn't say yes. He says emphatically a thousand times, yes, yes, yes. I mean, this is exaggeration, right? Hyperbole. This is really hyperbole. Yes, I will. Not only will I jump in a regular old standard grade A fire pit, I'm going to jump into the extra special, excessive power fire pit, extreme fire pit. I'll jump into the fire pit reality show while the cameras are rolling, he says. Okay, so you get the point. He says, yes, I will. And take on all that suffering. How much the more am I willing to jump into the ordinary, everyday fire pit that you meet on the street all the time? That not so special fire pit, any old fire pit. I can do that. Easy. Ran Arjinja. To seek the Buddha Dharma, I should be willing to suffer the, the, the 
all the miseries that living beings feel in the hells, how much the more should I be able to undergo anything that you might meet in the realm of people? Okay, so there we go. There's our story. How, how interesting. This is, first of all, not to be taken literally, okay? There are people who would hear this and go, boy, the sutra. Is this legal? Is, I mean, is, are we going to get arrested if we... Can you see the headlines? Buddhists self-immolate in Berkeley. Bodhisattva wannabes found in the bottom of fire pit burned to a crisp. Bodhisattvas turned to bacon. Bodhisattva wannabes turned to bacon in Berkeley. Berkeley Buddhist bacon bodhisattvas. There we go. Bacon bodhisattvas in Berkeley. Why? Because they took it literally. Ain't that way. It's not literal. Don't go jumping into the pit of fire because the sutra says so, right? Because I'll be arrested. You might not be arrested. I'll be for exhorting you to do that. Now, just here's, here's the big issue. And the, it's, it's a big issue because right this minute, there are Buddhists in India and in Tibet and in China who are burning their bodies right now. We don't get to hear about it much because the news doesn't come out of China. They do not want us to know that there are lamas, men and women, who are uh, protesting the situation where they live by burning their bodies. Um, it's the, the most famous one, of course, was the monk Thich Quang Duc in, in Vietnam and the monks who followed him uh, as political protests during that civil war. Um, followed by currently the situation in uh, among the Tibetan community where people wanting to call attention to their situation are burning themselves. Um, if you are reading the news, you see this is happening um, more and more often. So we're in a situation where this is not just uh, theory. Well, what's different about that? What do we need to know about that? Um, one way to look at it is in the sutras, in the Lotus Sutra, for example, there are teachings about a bodhisattva named Medicine Superior Bodhisattva who lit his entire body on fire as an offering to the Buddha. And they say his body is burning still because this is an extraordinary bodhisattva. The sutra is talking about a realized saint. This is a great bodhisattva, mahasattva, who has transformation bodies to spare. It's not just this flesh and blood body. And the bodhisattva is uh, making an example of renunciation to inspire people not to be too hung up on the externals of things. That's the purpose of that. So by explaining it that way, it's to say that's not us. That's not me. I'm not bodhisattva medicine superior who can burn a body or six or 12 and not even, you know, notice because there's, he's doing this from his position of transformed body, the, that ability the bodhisattvas have. So that's another story, right? That's not us now. So we don't want to get confused about that and think, oh, he could do it, I can too. So now let's, so that's one thing. 
there are examples, and here's another one, of a bodhisattva who says, pit of fire, not a, not a big deal, piece of cake. I'll jump in the pit of fire because it's going to allow me to do what I want to do, which is teach people in a way they can understand. It'll purify my bodhisattva practices. That's the phrase, meaning I'll be able to master the teachings once I get that phrase of dharma that I haven't heard before. That's what I want most of all. So anything, doesn't matter. I will do anything up to and including burning my body to get the dharma. Okay, identify that as what? Extreme behavior. Not to be emulated unless we're an avatamsaka bodhisattva who's got nothing to lose. Okay, so if anybody says, gee, that's really inspiring, I'll do it too tonight. I have a wood-burning fireplace in my condo, and I'll just jump right in. You know, don't, okay? Or if you do, don't say you heard about it here. You're on your own. <laughs> we don't sanction this behavior. So uh, that's, do I need to say that? Yeah, yeah, it's important, because we're in a time when uh, religions are not at peace with each other, and people will not give us the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, that's not what he meant. I say, what, do you tell him that? Is that what your sutra says? These bodhisattvas are absolutely fanatics. We don't want to allow this to be heard anymore. They would shut the sutra. So how do we understand this then? How does, why do we read it in the first place? Because if you use your wisdom, you understand that the bodhisattva is already gone beyond birth and death. This bodhisattva doesn't fear death the way we do because birth he's already been able to go beyond mortality and for him staying in a body coming into a body and going out of a body is a tool to teach he's not attached to hair on his head to zits on his skin to spinach between his teeth and, and getting old and wrinkles on his face. The bodhisattva is not on the surface anymore, not like us. So because he has that kind of, of ability to let go, for him, it's fine to go to that extreme, to show us what's the point of attaching to earth, air, fire, and water. We all get old, we all die, we all come back. So don't attach while we're here. That's the principle here. Now, okay, so bring it back to real life. What about the monk in Vietnam, the famous one? And what about the, the current monks who are becoming martyrs to illustrate their points um, in the face of what they consider cultural and political repression? Well, what does the Buddha teach? Are they doing that religiously? Are they doing it politically? That's the question. And you have to know the difference. Um, where does religious behavior lose its spiritual quality and become political behavior? That's important to know. Where do you draw that line? Where is that? Um, What I heard about the the monk 
uh, in Vietnam, Tic Quang Duc. That's the famous picture, right? Uh, actually, that was videoed, not just there was a movie camera running and the, the films got out, but it's that those photographs of him sitting in full lotus surrounded by flames. I think we've all probably seen that picture. My mom, back in Toledo, saw that picture in the newspaper, and it was all over the country, all over the world. And when I told her I was going to become a Buddhist monk, her first thought was, does that mean you're going to burn yourself? <laughs> she re- That was the first connection she made, was, am I going to lose my son to a, to a bonfire? Are you going to become a flaming martyr? And, you know, I said, Mom, there are millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of Buddhist monks throughout history, and maybe half a dozen who've ever lit their, their bodies on fire? No, I'm not going to burn myself. She said, well, what was that all about then? And, of course, I couldn't tell her because I was not aware of the, the issues in, uh, that led the, the monk to, to do that. And this is not the place or time to go into those. I've studied it since, but those are, if, if we want to learn history of Vietnam, uh, history of, of Buddhism in Vietnam, and what happened before, what happened after, that's, that's, a whole, that's worth looking into, but it's not, it doesn't help us understand here. What I did hear was, well, the, the amazing thing about that first monk was he didn't move. As the flames were burning, you notice he sat right there. And there is some sense that he was already, his, his samadhi was already enough that allowed him to go through that without flinching. In other words, as they say, lai, ming, chu, bai, he was clear about his own birth and death. In other words, possibly he had already gone out of his body. And as the flames are burning him, he was not sensitive to, to pain the way we would be. Maybe. Maybe he had already gone out the top of his head the way the the uh, yogic practice of of qu shen ru pin this this magical meditative state possibly what i heard was that it was such a, a shock to the regime that it actually accomplished some of the goals stated the political goals and in the monastery there were other monks who did not have his spiritual experience, his spiritual kung fu, who were asked to do it again, who were also asked to do it. There were further self-immolations, burnings, that happened. And one of the families of one of the monks told me that they were actually drawing lots. They would chouqian, they would pick, draw straws to see who was going next. And there were some young monks who did not want to kill themselves for political purpose, and it became very unexpedient later, like five or six monks down the line. Now, that's a detail, but you can see what an important difference there is. If you are a bodhisattva at this level, let's say medicine superior, and you light your body on fire, Okay, that's 
an expedient, it's amazing to think about that. And it says to me, really not attached. Ready to give anything as an offering to the Buddha, even the thing that we cherish the most. That's amazing. When it comes down to a young monk who left home because he wanted to join the Buddha's sangha, wanted to teach and transform living beings and study the Dharma, and essentially you tell him to commit suicide by fire and he's unwilling, that's wrong. That's something very, very different. So, just to say, we want to be really clear about this. Now, um, in our own lineage, Master Shenhua, our teacher, had a disciple whose name was Guozhuo. He's a famous disciple. This is back in Manchuria when this happened. And this monk uh, had, before he even left home, he was already on the road to um, real cultivation. He had samadhi and he was able to do things that other people couldn't do. Nanxing, nangxing. Nanshu, nangshu. He could do things that were difficult to do and let go of, renounce things that were difficult to renounce. So after he left home, he, his pr- progress in meditation advanced really quickly. And so at a certain point, he told his teacher, our teacher, so he's essentially our Dharma brother, this monk. He told uh, Shurfu that he was going to, uh, he said he was going to say goodbye. And uh, Shurfu said, all right, well, you know, try your best. So what did he do? He lit his body on fire, not as a political act, but as an offering. And he did it not on a street corner uh, in a politically charged environment. He did it on the mountain outside of his hut. Basically, if nobody, if he didn't, he didn't know, you, you would, this would have happened without any notice. But people came up and saw him sitting there in his form entirely ash, the burned shape of a monk sitting there completely straight, just like that. And the local constable, the local policeman, uh, came up and looked at him and touched him with his finger and the whole body went like that. So what's that all about, you know? To be able to sit there still while the fire is burning your body hurts like mad. You know, if you ever catch your finger in the gas flame or touch a pot that is too hot, you know, it's just, whoa, it stings, it turns red, you want to put cream on it and immediately, you know, cool it off and it it hurts for days. Well, to burn your entire body and not move a muscle so that you just tap it and it's all ashes. That's a different state. That's jing jie is pretty awesome. Okay, so that's the story. And everybody went, oh, who was that? Who was that monk? I wish I'd bow to him. I wish I'd make offerings to him. Obviously, this is some some realized saint. So that's to say these stories are out there, but motive to me seems really important. 
If you force a young monk who's unwilling to, because he draws straws to go out on the crossroads and light his body on fire, and he's going to scream and shout and dance and like hate it, that's a bad advertisement for Buddha Dharma, isn't it? So, where is the middle way? Um, it's important to know this. And one way to do it is to take this text and say, that's metaphor. That's a bodhisattva's test. It's not my test. Okay? It's metaphor. This is a way of speaking to symbolize, to show us how the bodhisattva can let go of things that we're attached to. For what? For the sake of the Dharma. He's not doing this to win votes. He's not doing this to overthrow an unpopular ruler. He's not doing this to have people get on his side in a contest. Not that. The Bodhisattva is doing this in order to hear the Dharma that will allow him to accomplish what he wants to, which is to master his practices that will let him teach people. So, different motive. Different motive. Okay, so that's, that's important. Now, um, we had a monk. I've, I've told this story before, but it re- bears retelling. We had a monk who was American, a former surfer, a big guy. He was big in, in uh, many ways. He was big in size, big in appetites, big in ideas. And whatever we could do as normal, regular monks, he would always take to an extreme. If we could eat one bowl of food, he would eat three. If we could uh, meditate for one hour, he'd meditate for three hours. If we could sit down in the Buddha hall, he would sit out in the back alley. You know, anything to take it, because he wanted to experience more. He just had big appetites. So, remember being at Gold Wheel down in L.A. We just moved into 6th Street, Gold Wheel. And Sherpa was explaining this notion from the sutra of the Bodhisattva saying, sure, you want me to jump into a pit of fire? I'll jump into the biggest pit of fire you can create in order to get a sentence of Buddha Dharma. And so this monk, I, I won't tell you his name because he's, he's still, still around. He's not a monk anymore, but he's still around. And he said, Shurfu, that's so cool. He said, you know what I want to do? I want to burn off a finger. I've heard of that. You can burn off a finger and offer that to the Buddha, right? Can I do that, Shurfu? I want to do it. Tonight after the lecture, I'm going to burn a finger and offer it to the Buddha. You know, and he's like, the idea is like, you know, Bodhisattva can do it. I can do it. You know, I won't burn my body. I'll burn a finger. You know, you do that, right? People do that all the time. And Shurfu went, Stupid. Stupid, he said. You Americans will try anything, he said. Do you know what it feels like to burn a finger off? Obviously you don't, he said. But I'll tell you what it feels like. You're going to try to light your finger on fire like some fool, and it's going to hurt like mad. You're going to shout and scream and get upset slander the Buddha Dharma and fall into the hells. You think you're creating merit, you're creating offenses, he said. <laughs> said Shurfu. It's not that easy. <laughs> oh, so I shouldn't do it, Shurfu? <laughs> yeah, don't do it. <laughs> he said, can you eat one bowl of food less tomorrow? 
maybe. <laughs> Said cheerful. Right. You know, let's get real. You know, burn your finger. <laughs> he said, you Americans will try anything. So, and, and then Shrifa would turn around and praise Americans for being much more straightforward than Chinese monks who would say something and then not even do it. You Americans will do it, you said. So it's, he liked that, but he wanted it to be real, not for fun. The monk in question was doing it for fun because it was cool, you know. Not because he understood anything about it. He's just like, I'll try that because I can do anything better than you, you know. So he never did. He never burned his finger. Uh, this is a monk who could fast. He could fast. He fasted for 18 days, three times, and then 36 days, and then 72 days, a little bit of water every day, and that was all. But the way he broke his fasts was typical. The The way you break a fast when... Now, now fasting is another dharma. I'm not going to recommend because it takes supervision. But this monk, the, the way that we did fasting was that when you were... The hardest part of the fast is actually breaking the fast, is coming slowly back into eating regular. Because if you have not eaten any solid food for 18 days... By about day six, from day six to day 18 is nothing but false thoughts of every meal you've ever eaten. You know, you go, I remember uh, thinking about Thanksgiving dinners in the past, and I would go through every course and think, sitting there, you know, day six of my fast, here comes the cranberry sauce. And it's round and like the shape of the can, it's red and there are berries, and there's that, like, jelly, and then there's mint on it, and the mint goes into your mouth and up your nose, and, you know. And then after that, there's gravy on the mashed potatoes, and the mashed potatoes stick to your fork, and there's a little bit of gravy, and you look and see if everybody had some so you could have another spoon, and, you know, and, like, play every bite of every meal, you know, and think about, oh, the way the milk sounds on when you pour it on your Cheerios at breakfast, and how many spoons of sugar, and... You know, and slice a banana. You remember peeling the banana back and that smell hits your, you know. It's called false thinking about food. You're thinking about food. And so when it's finally time to eat after 18, your stomach is all compressed. You know, your stomach has not had solid food for a long time. And now you get to actually eat. And you salivate for the last day in preparation for the thought of eating. Okay. So how do you break a fast after 18 days? One teaspoonful of shifan every half hour. Shifan is, is rice porridge, right? One teaspoonful per half hour. For how long? Three days. You don't eat solid food for three days. And why? You've spent 18 days cleaning out your system. And your system is really quiet and weak at that point. Because fasting is close to death. You're not feeding your body, right? You can die that way. So you do it carefully. One teaspoon, shifan, you know, and you hold it in your mouth and the, the moisture and then the texture and you kind of slowly, okay? That's hard. Because you're thinking, Thanksgiving dinner, here I come. And you're eating like tasteless porridge, you know, to get your body back to where it's starting to produce. The, and 
it's a wonderful experience if you can do it because you experience your body coming back to life. And if you really are mindful and strong, it's like you realize food is just gasoline for the car. Food is medicine, not for flavor. Okay, so that's the theory. And it's really hard to get to that third day and still be eating shifan, you know. All right, what did our monk do? Time to start breaking the fast, time to eat again. What did he do? He got up the morning of the 19th day, walked into the kitchen, made some wheat toast with butter, peanut butter, jelly, and some avocados, you know, and put it all together and stuck it in his mouth and chewed it and swallowed it down and nearly died. And he, like half an hour later, he's going, like that, and Shurfu had to come down and do something to, to, to get him out of the situation. Same, that's the same monk, big appetites, big, you know. He totally broke the fast wrong and paid a huge price for it. And so Shurfu was just, hmm, you know, my disciples don't listen to me, he said. So that's not the way to break the fast. But it's hard. It is really hard to get back to eating because being patient for that, you know, eating rice porridge for three days. If you can do that, though, and really break your fast that way, then food, you can not eat it or eat it if you choose. And it tastes just the, the flavor of broccoli. Steamed broccoli is incredible. The flavor of a tomato when you haven't eaten for that long, just like... It stops you. Flavor is such a thing. It's such a dharma when it impacts your tongue that has been quiet for that time. So, just to say that when we look at this sutra, how do we understand the bodhisattva saying, yeah, I'll jump into a fire pit from the Brahma heaven down into a pit as big as the universe. Bring it on. It's not to show off. It's not for the cool factor. It's not because he's bored with his life and wants to experience something different. It's not. It's that the Bodhisattva says, if you will give me some Dharma knowledge that will help me teach living beings, I'm your monk. I'm your nun. I'm ready. I'm your layperson. Bring it on. I want it. Okay, got it. Another, another way to say this whole thing is Priorities. What's his priority? Dharma. Wants to learn. Wants to learn. That's the most important thing now. Because his whole life, her whole life, is about helping people wake up. How do you do it? With Dharma. You have to learn it, master it, use it. Teach it, wake people up. You bet. Okay. So... Uh, to seek the Buddha Dharma, I should be willing to undergo all the sufferings of the hells, how much the more the small vexations in the realms of humans. Okay. Back to, to our lives. Never mind pit, pits of fire. What about um, getting to the monastery on Saturday night? My goodness. Some people drive from San Jose an hour's drive through the worst traffic in the Bay Area Saturday night. To get up here, 
Yeah, not easy. And that's really something. And get here on time. You know, be here listening to the Dharma. That's amazing. Think of all the things you could be doing on Saturday night, and instead you come to sit on this cold floor, you know, and hear somebody drone on about a, a sutra. We don't even move when we sing. You know, if you go to Allen Temple Baptist Church, oh, it's a different story. There's movement happening. And when the, the preacher preaches, everybody goes, Hallelujah! Praise Jesus! Amen! They have fun. And they, there's affirmation, and energy, and the back and forth, call and response. And the preacher sometimes barks. <laughs> uh, so we sit quietly. We do stillness on Saturday night. But everybody comes with the idea that what we are hearing Dharma not only at the level of conscious hearing. When we listen in stillness, we're hearing it with our whole bodies. We're hearing it with our entire mind. We're hearing it deeper, deep inside. That's why we recite the Buddha's name beforehand. That's why we say, you know, will gong ching da de chang ting. Like that. So. Um, speaking of that, tonight we heard something different, and I wanted to point to that. Um, Shifu, our teacher, said Samantabhadra's practices and vows, Pushyam Pusa, Shridayuanwang, are the essence of the Avatamsaka Sutra. So in those vows, we know bowing, praising, offering, repenting, rejoicing in others' merit, requesting the Dharma wheel be turned, requesting the Buddhas stay in the world, always learning from the Buddhas, according accord of living beings, and transfer merit. Those are the ten. Well, number six... Request the Dharma wheel be turned. Shurfu said, when we hear sutras, we should request the Dharma first. First you, Qingpa, you request the Dharma. Then the Dharma is spoken. So, um, as he taught us that, he said, okay, here's what you do. And he went, Gong Qing Da Da Sang Ting. And he kind of gave us that, that, he gave us the verse and kind of, Shifu was did not he didn't music was not the way he taught the Dharma he did visual arts painting sculpture uh, architecture all those things calligraphy but he gave us the example and so from that time we have gone Gong Ching Da Da when it came time to put that into Chinese um, I don't actually know who did it. But I know it was done not with the same energy that Shifu gave us the Chinese. As a result, what do we get? Well, la sangha with great virtue, out of compassion for the sake of this assembly and all living beings. Please turn the wonderful Dharma wheel to teach us how to leave suffering, attain bliss and end birth and death, and quickly realize on birth. It's like, that's not very nice to listen to. Can we do better than that? And all this time we have not. 
but it's time to do better then. Da da dee 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 da 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 da. Two notes. Da 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 da. Two notes, right? Da da dee 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 dee. We can improve on that. So, we have been a long time hoping to improve the Dharma request in English. So, uh, here at the monastery, we've been working on that, and um, we have an interesting new. Uh, nomination. We'd like to nominate this and uh, this tune and lyrics to see if people like it. And so, what's involved? What's involved is music and lyrics. So, there's the tune and then there's the words. What do we start with? We start with the Chinese. Da dee 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 da da dee da dee 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 dee. Gong Qing Da De Sheng Ting, Wei Ci Fa Hui Ji Yi Qie Zhong Sheng, Qing Zhuan Da Fa Lun, Miao Fa Lun, Jiao Da Wo Men Ru He Liao Sheng Tuo Si Li Ku De Le Tong Zheng Wu Sheng. That's the Chinese, and the melody is okay. That can actually came down from from Shifu, but the English. Are we stuck with will a sangha with great virtue out of compassion? Not necessarily, and certainly we're not stuck with that non-melody two notes. So that's what we need. We need a melody, and we need the lyrics. There's a third thing, which is a spirit in it, and religious music, and that's what we're talking about, needs a certain spirit. So the lyrics, the melody, and the air, the what it leaves you with. Are all important, and so we were thinking. Now, does West does the Western tradition have any religious music? Oh yes, we do. In fact, you might say the majority of classical music had a religious inspiration. Johann Sebastian Bach, mostly religious, great masses, the Mass, the Mass in B minor, all these famous religious works. How about Handel, the Messiah? What about Christmas carols? What about or offertories, oratorios? What about Gregorian chant? You know, all that incredible religious music in the West. We do not lack it. What about what are called Negro spirituals? You know, those are there's so much Russian Orthodox chanting. Ah, incredibly moving. So we we don't lack Western religious music. What's the right? Mode to pick up for Buddhism. Question, and we're not Europeans; we're Americans. So, what is rooted in this country? Well, we looked into it, and the oldest layers of Western music. One is certainly Native American music, and we have some of it. Grace to Joanne Shenandoah, in large part, who has sat on this stage. Several times to to teach us about Native American music. We ha, we ha, we ah ho. We ha, we ha, we ah ho. We ha, we ha, we ah ho. That kind of thing, and uh, that's that's real and in front of us, and it's rooted in the. The, the wood, the rock, the water, and the earth of this continent. Then there's Celtic-sounding music. Celtic music 
came from the culture of the Celts, spelled with a C. Looks like Celts, but it's Celts. From Scotland, Ireland, Great Britain, England, Wales, from uh, Brittany in France, and then across North Africa to Russia. The Celts spread their culture even through Turkey and uh, Middle East. So Celtic music is very beautiful. We listened to it at lunch. All of you who were here at lunch today heard uh, uh, instrumental versions of an Irish hymn book from the 1920s. Uh, just magnificent, wonderful music played on harps and guitars and, and fiddles. There's African music that came into the country unhappily with the slaves. Um, but we're talking about less than 300 years of history. We've had African music come in through the, the southeast and the south, and we that manifested as blues later and work songs. Uh, but that's a distinct sound. There's Celtic music that came in with the immigration from Europe, there's Native American music that was here originally, and now more and more we're learning about Hispanic music that came through from Spain, from Mexico, up north. So there's all these different trends, all now American music. So how do we put Buddhist music? How are we going to seat clothes put on how are we going to put the clothes on buddhist lyrics good question so uh some of the lay people here at the monastery proposed this new tune um i'm going to ask uh both james and alan to give us the lyric and then give us the line and i'll repeat it and you can all repeat it with me because you don't have it in front of you neither do i can you, you know, everybody has it? Oh my goodness, I don't have it. Where's mine? Got a spare anywhere? Cool, you've all got it. Hubba hubba. I didn't realize you did. I didn't know that you had it. I was busy shushing you because you didn't have it. Okay, so could, uh, could we have, let, let the two of them give us the line first. I'll repeat it and then you repeat it after me. Let's put our palms together and pretend we are requesting Dharma. Okay, line number one. Okay, good. Ready? Compassionate and virtuous. Try it. Compassionate and virtuous. Next line. Here we go. The Sangha's... Could, could we... Is that it's not too low? Okay, good. Now, I was going to do the second one, and you were going to do the third one. So that's, let's try it. The Sangha stands before us. Next. Can we lift, lift the pitch a bit? We've lost our day. We've lost our way. Here we go. We've lost our way in birth and death. Your turn. Lost our way in birth and death. He asked that you would guide us. 
We ask that you would guide us. And and enter. I'm, I'm raising the pitch again because it's getting too low. And turn, and turn, do it again. And turn the wondrous Dharma wheel. Wondrous Dharma wheel. Okay, try it one more time. And turn the wondrous Dharma wheel. That's a little harder. I didn't do it. Why did you do it? Because <laughs> I was too difficult, right? And leads the way from suffering. Your turn. And leads the way from suffering. For all of us assembled here. For all of us assembled here. For it, for every living being. <laughs> okay, how clumsy, huh? For me to get in there and mess it up. So let's do the whole thing, and let's let's try it together. Okay? Will you lead us in the whole thing? Here we go. Oh, you're on. Compassionate and virtuous, the sangha stands before us. We've lost our way in birth and death. We ask that you would guide us. Turn the wondrous Dharma wheel that leads the way from suffering for all of us assembled here for every living being. Being, two notes. It's not every living being, being. Okay, what do you all think? The, the lyric is really nice. It's, it's essential. It's like bung, bung, bung. Compassionate and virtuous, the Sangha stands before us. We've lost our way in birth and death. We ask that you would guide us. And turn the wondrous Dharma wheel that leads the way from suffering. For all of us assembled here, for every living being. Nice. Um, it's better than, well, the Sangha with great virtue, out of compassion. Out of compassion always seemed to me be like, you're out of compassion. You've run out of compassion. <laughs> well, the Sangha with great virtue, unfortunately, out of compassion. You know, I always, I always had that thought every time I heard it. To be out of compassion means you're out of it. You're out of gas. You know, you ran out of compassion. Compassionate and virtuous, comma, the Sangha stands before us. That completely solves that problem. The image is just right. We've lost our way in birth and death. That's a really evocative image. Here in birth and death, we lost our way home. Right? That's poetry. You've lost your way in birth and death. We ask that you would guide us. Direct. Please guide us. That's really well-crafted text. Really nice. And turn the wondrous Dharma wheel. That's right from our original. That leads the way from suffering... That leads away from suffering. Who, for all of us assembled here, 
Now, I would probably do and every living being. Now, for every living being is not wrong. For all of us assembled here and every living being. For, all, for every living being is actually to have two fours is okay. It gives it some punch. So, anyway, that's my opinion. What do you all think? The lyric's nice, huh? Phil? What are you all women? Is, is Phil being a misogynist, patriarchal dude? Is he speaking for you? I'll tell you, for this men, it's got to be a little higher too, right? So it's not just women. It's not a gen- gender issue. It needs to have a higher pitch. Um, but yeah, I hear your point. For me, it's got to be higher. So more ideas. I, I know where the tune came from. The tune came from a song called the wind that shakes the barley. That's an Irish song. The wind that shakes the barley. Da dee dee da da dee da dee 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 da da dee. It's a sad Irish lament. It's a, it's an incredibly sad Irish song, as so many of them are. The wind that shakes the barley. It's actually it's a revolutionary song, but just to know that 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 melody come has a, has a source. It's a Celtic flavored Irish song. So that's one. Um, to make this successful, it has to be something that people can sing. Why? Because you're going to be out there, right? Valerie is going to be kneeling in the middle and Tam is going to be kneeling in the middle with her palms together requesting Dharma. And if you think, oh my God, here comes that, I can't sing that, then it, it might be beautiful, but it won't work. So it has to be something that you can go, yes, we can all do this. The da-da-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-da-da-da-da-da had the advantage of not difficult, not challenging. <laughs> Two notes. That's mechanical almost. So, anyway, what do you all think about this new melody? Opinions? Anybody got an opinion? Jason? Okay. See how it sounds? I think those two lines that go up are a little bit daunting. Nobody has a problem with Dee 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 dum, right? That that appears three times. La la. Let's see. Compassionate and virtuous. Okay, we've lost our way in birth and death. For all of us assembled here, that happens three times. And da da dee da dum. The sangha stands before us. We ask that you would guide us for every living being. Okay, so that occurs three times. So if you can go, dee da 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 dee da dum da 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 dum, you got more than half of it. You got three quarters of it. So those two lines repeat three times. Da da dee 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 dum ba da da dum. Can you all do that? La da dee da dee da dum da da dee da dum dum. Try it again. La da dee da 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 dum da da dee da da dum. Put the first two lines on it. 
Compassionate and virtuous, the Sangha stands before us. Next to, we've lost our way in birth and death. We ask that you would guide us. Last two lines. For all of us assembled here, for every living being. Okay, just in singing it, my voice, my pitch dropped. So by the end, I was, uh, it's, that's going to happen. So we'll have to make sure that you, we start it high enough. Now, the only problem in this song, in this request melody, are the, the um, and turn the wondrous Dharma wheel that leads the way from suffering. That goes up. And it's, that requires a bit of learning. Okay? Now, I'm thinking in my mind as we look at this, city of 10,000 Buddhas, gold wheel, gold sage, gold summit, gold Buddha, Avatamsaka, Avatamsaka Vihara, Fa Jie, Yin Jing Hui, and, you know, Boro, Fa Jie, Sheng Si, all these different monasteries around the Dharma realm, Dharma realm Buddhist monasteries. We need to come up with something that people can confidently go. So it has to be singable. Stacy. Stacy's comment was it it's it has there's a mood in this song. Um musically what she's saying is 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 it minor? Is is it's, it's pure yeah. This is minor key. Da 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 What's major? Da 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 That's major. La di da da di This is La da da da, la da 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 da. Minor is moody. It gives you a sense of sadness, tragedy, danger. Something's going to come. Now, is that a bad thing? Maybe, but when you compare it with. Da da dee 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 da 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 da. For the sake of this assembly and all living beings, please turn the wonderful Dharma. You know, it's like that's a non-melody. That's a chant, you know, and it's not a very pretty chant. I mean, we we do the wondrous deep Dharani, unmoving honored one, supreme Shurangamanimum, rarely in the world. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful chant. It's not da 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 na 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 na. Two notes, mangled, you know. So even though it's moody, it's an improvement. Um, sometimes, you know, here's what is a minor. Here's a minor, minor feeling. That's minor, right? Hold on, Kim, just a sec. That's minor. How do you feel? Somebody died. Mm-hmm. 
What's major? Uplifting, rosy, cheerful. Minor. The third. Da dee. Da and turn the wondrous. Da use this key. Da Okay. <laughs> it was but, sad. But for that mood, probably like two or three keys Yes. The whole thing just changed. Uh-huh. So it's not too low. The key's too low. Okay. Higher pitch. Higher pitch. So okay. I, I feel bad. Alan is saying that a higher pitch changes the mood. Okay. Kim, you had your hand up? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. It sounds, uh, did, could everybody hear? Kim, Kim said it sounded like there's something that you'd sing around the campfire. Na, namo Amitabha, and then you die. <laughs> right? That's, uh, it, uh, there you go. Yeah, it's, it has, that's a minor key. That's why, that's what minor keys are like. Prince Siddhartha. Usually minor keys express uh, heavy, sad sentiments, right? Something that it's, it's suffering. It's music for blues. Not all. Sometimes they're cheerful blues. But you don't say, you know, you don't go, Happy birthday, Mother. I hope sooner you know no you don't do that it's like you know happy birthday mommy you know we're so glad you're with us that's cheerful you know so minor key is like that but i think there's a place for that and like stacy said you know it's it's a moody and it can be uplifting it can be very um it can be music that brings you, um, what are we trying to do? We're requesting Dharma to lead us all from birth and death. Turn the wondrous Dharma wheel, you know, lead the way from suffering. We're lost in birth and death. So, okay, now we'll just, we're, mind you, we're not selling this. Um, and we're not going to 
insist that this is our new Dharma request. What we're doing is, and why I took the time to introduce this, is this is a process. It's called bringing the Dharma to the West. And we should have done the musical part of it a long time ago. Um, it's, we have to try it before we know how it sounds even. This upstairs, as we were working it out, sounded really good. And now with all the voices, people really putting their voices into it, we hear the, the fact that it is minor. It, the pitch has to be higher because it drops. And yet the poetry of it really speaks. And there are three pieces, lyrics, melody, and the spirit of it. That has to be there before it works. Now, in the past, uh, the Amitabha Sutra has been through this process. And back at Gold Mountain, David Rounds came up with three different Amitabha Sutra chanting in English that we rejected. People did it for two weeks, three weeks, and they said, we don't like this. Try again. Oh, back to the drawing board. And he did and came back with a new one, you know. So this is a, this is a real genuine step forward. It may not catch on, but let's try it for a while. Also, my experience is it's not always the one that you like first time that you take. Sometimes it, after you hear it a while... It works. Okay, um, let's try it. Let's do it more time. Uh, let's do give a pitch. Okay, so I've now lit incense. I've walked around, gone back, bowed three times, and I've got my palms together, and we've gone. Tu bu zhu sheng wu ying zhang wu sheng da di. Here we go. Compassionate and virtuous, the Sangha stands before us. We've lost our way in birth and death. We ask that you would guide us and turn the wondrous Dharma wheel that leads the way from suffering. For all of us assembled here, for every living being, Amen. Amitofo. Nice. That, I, I like it. Yeah, I think it's going to grow on you. I have a feeling that's going to grow on you. Okay, so... Uh, the Bodhisattva says, to seek the Buddha Dharma, I'd be willing to undergo all the sufferings of the hells. How much the more the small vexations in learning English liturgy, chanting songs. I would be willing to do that forever if I could hear one sentence of Dharma that would purify my Bodhisattva practice. Okay, so I'm going to leave it at that point. Marty... Marty will be here next Saturday to pick up at the bottom of page 51, and we're going to add new pages so the sutra uh, will have the um, uh, will go to the next part of the text where I promised psychic powers this week didn't get there. Uh, that's going to happen next. The Bodhisattva enters the dhyanas, and 
This next section is difficult. It's a difficult section because it's talking about what you actually do when you enter the dhyanas, how you use your mind. And there are new concepts to us that occur in the Pali. That occur, this is part of the Basudimaga, the path of purification. This is really how you enter the dhyanas. Um, some of the words are vitarka and vichara, vitaka vichara in Pali. They're in the agamas. It's feeling and awareness and contemplation, self-examination. So this is a really important, powerful section of the text coming up. And after we uh, learn about vitaka vichara, um, we will go into the psychic powers. What, when you really want to know other people's thoughts, what's it like? When you really have the heavenly ear, the deva ear, what's it like? When you can manifest the 18 transformations of an arhat and move through space like a bird and move through water, walk on water, move through solid objects, what's it like? That's in the next section. So, previews of coming attractions. Don't miss it. Can we uh, transfer the merit now? And I should say that I lead, I lead a pretty interesting life. And uh, 40 minutes before I rolled into the Buddha Hall here, I was standing in front of the new mayor of San Francisco and all the religious leaders, the archbishop and all, singing Dedication of Merit as at the far reach of the western continent on the brink of the, of the Golden Gate Bridge at the Presidio Chapel. And uh, we... We... Um, the religious community including uh, Jason and Jerry sang, prayed and encouraged uh, Mayor Edwin Lee our new Chinese American mayor he was there with his whole family and what a nice man. He is truly humble. He did not give a politician's response. He said, I have three thoughts came to me today when I was trying to figure out what I was going to say. And he said, you know one, you know where I came from? I came from my mom. She's sitting right here, he said. Thanks, mom. You always told me to reflect on where I've been. Well, I came from you. Here you are. You know, there was his mom looking very happy and, and bright. And he said, you know what else? He said, uh, uh, my wife and I, Anita, I guess his wife is, we've been cleaning out our house recently. We've been dumping a lot of stuff, letting go of material stuff. And the more material stuff we let go of, the more relationships and, and, and spiritual things come into my life. And I realized that I had to, like, un, what did he say, unpossess myself of things before I could pick up the, what really matters, the spiritual stuff. It's like, that's nice, you know. And he said, the third thing is, he says, I've been a public servant for 22 years. I've worked in under four mayors of San Francisco, worked in five different departments, 22 years. And he said, I thought I'd done it all. I thought I'd given everything I had to give. No, you want me to come and sacrifice some more, he said. Well, I guess I'm ready, he said. <laughs> and like, okay, that's really low-key dharma. It, you know, he's very humble. It's not flashy. He's not a Gavin Newsom, you know. 
And he's not a Willie Brown. He's, he is a humble public servant. And he said, yeah, I'm Chinese-American, Asian-American. He says, forget all that. I'm here to sacrifice some more, he said. <laughs> very nice to hear that. So I was very impressed with his, his complete humility as, as a public servant. So it's, and uh, he said it's open, oh, government's open. The one word that I want to share with everybody, he said, is wisdom. That I, I need more wisdom, and, that, and it comes from all of you. So you got to come and give me your ideas, because I can't do it myself. I don't have enough, he said. Very nice, very down-to-earth. People liked him a lot, you could see, for that reason. So, and there was his wife, his daughters, his mom, his brother, all sitting there getting our blessings. He, he said he was a Christian, but he didn't make a point of it. He did say that for 12 years in Seattle, he never missed a single Sunday going to church. All right. Nice. So we sang Dedication of Merit to him and uh, invited everybody to send their best wishes. So let's do that. Will all of you please use your minds to make a wish, however you'd like to send out that merit? Expand the measure of our minds.